Wisdom, let us attend. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord. Glory to you. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying. Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. And he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, your faith is great. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The Holy Gospel has been proclaimed among us. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Sing with me, will you? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Would you pray with me? Father God, as I step up to proclaim your message, may it be your message and not mine. May it be your word that is heard and not mine. And may the meditations of our hearts the words of our lips be pleasing and acceptable to you, O Lord, our Redeemer. Amen. The New Testament lesson this morning is a masterful piece of logic by the Apostle Paul. You have to read it a few times to begin to follow it, but, but he talks about how Israel was disobedient so that we meaning the Gentiles and everybody else in the world who wasn't a Hebrew, would be grafted in and to become and receive the mercy of God, to become part of the family of God. But then he ends with that hopeful word. It says it's through our mercies, it's through the mercies we've received, that now they, all of the Hebrew people, all of the Jewish people of God, would one day receive God's mercy. I hope that you pray for the people of Israel. I hope you pray for the Jewish people. I know there are not many in these parts and in our community. I have several friends uh, in Wichita that are Jewish, and I pray for them constantly. So lift them in your prayers when you think about it, because God's plan is for their salvation as well as ours. This morning, in the Gospel of Matthew, we see a remarkable story of Jesus. We have been talking about the healing of God, and I want to connect a couple of dots for you this morning. I want you to, I want you to, I want to make sure that you connect the dots between healing 
and salvation. So I'm going to set that thought aside for just a minute. But understand that's where I'm going this morning. We're going to connect the dots of healing and salvation. What are they and how do they come together? So this morning we pick up the story of Jesus. We've been looking at his, some of his healings, uh, miraculous healings each week in this month of August. And we, we pick up the story this morning with Jesus having been in a confrontation, if you will, with the Pharisees. The Pharisees by this time are, of Jesus' ministry are really starting to ramp up their attack on him. And in the earlier part of that chapter 15 that our gospel was from this morning, we would have heard, had we read it all, we would have heard Jesus di dialoguing with them, and they are complaining to Jesus that him and his disciples don't follow the law. They're not ceremonially clean. And they don't wash their hands before meals. Now, that's a, that's a pretty important word to us today in the midst of a coronavirus pandemic, isn't it? We are learning, relearning the importance of washing our hands and, and being hygienically. Is that a word, Sandra? Hygienically clean. Uh, we're, we're relearning the importance of that because of disease. But, but in this context, what Jesus was trying, they thought that the ceremony of washing hands, which, which you will see me do before the community, they did ceremonials. And, and, and I admit that it's partially ceremonial here as well, but it's born out of it's born out of respect and reverence for coming to handle the holy gifts of God. But yet, it's practical too, isn't it? Just to wash the hands and then to be extra safe in this time of, of uh, virus concerns. I slip on some gloves. That is when I can dry my hands enough to get the glove on. It's a little tricky, but, but we, we want to be careful. But in the context of, of this gospel, they're worried because Jesus and his disciples are not being ceremonially clean. And Jesus is telling them, it doesn't matter what goes into your mouth. If you eat with dirty hands or clean hands, it doesn't make you unclean before God. Now, I know the old Mosaic law said it did. And that law was given and that law was good because it was given for the people to be able to obey the Lord. We don't get to pick and choose which laws we want to obey, do we? We don't get to do that in civil society and we don't get to do that in sacred society. And we learn, though, that in the gospel, Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all law. They couldn't keep the law perfectly. Only Jesus Christ could keep the law perfectly. And when he did, he fulfilled the law for all. And so Jesus says, you see, what matters is what's inside. It's, 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 it's what comes out of the mouth. It's what your heart speaks that makes you unclean or clean. And after that discussion, Jesus decides to, he's tired and he's, he's like, let's go away. And it tells us here, we pick up the story this morning with our gospel. And, and Jesus went away from there. This was in the region of Galilee somewhere. He's been up around Capernaum. We've been following his miracles. And it says that Jesus goes away from there up into the region of Tyre and Sidon. Now, Tyre and Sidon is north of Israel. If you were at the border of Israel and what is today Lebanon, you would go north along the coast about 14 miles and you would find Tyre and then and, and Sidon. They're both, 
14 to 20 miles in that range, north of Israel, along the coast. Still, cities thriving today, ancient cities. But in that day, they were Gentile lands. Jesus was going off into Gentile lands for his rest and relaxation. That was very unusual. But let's think about, for a minute, what Tyre and Sidon represent. If we do our Old Testament study and we do our work right, we go back to the, the giving of the land of Canaan to the promised land, to Abraham, and how it's apportioned to all the sons uh, of Jacob, what we find is that the area of Tyre and Sidon was actually given to Asher, the tribe of Asher. But you would read in the book of Joshua that, guess what? Asher was disobedient. When he got to, when they were, you know the story, the, the Israelites went into the land and each went to his place and they conquered the people that lived there and that became the promised land that God had given them. But when Asher came to the region of Tyre and Sidon, the word tells us that he found it was well fortified and he decided not to attack. So he was disobedient. Disobedient to the Lord. Disobedient to the word of God. And they didn't receive all the land that they should have. I believe Jesus chose to go to Tyre and Sidon because those Jewish people, his people, the people he's been ministering to, the people he has brought the gospel to, they know that story. They know it well. They know that could have been their land. That should have been their land. And Jesus is going to show that all land is his. And all people are his. And so when he goes there, he, he has this unusual experience. It says, behold, in verse 22, behold, a Canaanite woman. That means a, a pagan woman in the context of Scripture. Anyone who wasn't Jew was pagan. That means they didn't worship the Lord God. They had other gods. And into this context, she comes to Jesus and it says she cries out to him, oh, Lord, have mercy on me. She's heard of Jesus all the way up in Tyre and Sidon. They've heard of Jesus. They've heard of his miracles. And she runs to him and she says, Lord, have mercy on me. And Jesus does what? Doesn't even respond. Boy, there's two things we want to look at in Jesus that, that at first glance don't make sense. And that is at first that, that, that when Jesus, when she cries out to him, he, he just doesn't answer her. We, we don't know what to do with that. It doesn't make sense to us. We, we know our Lord is one who always hears our prayer and always answers. So what is going on here? We, we go a little further and we see that his disciples, they actually say, Lord, send her away. She's bothering us. Let's just send her away. And Jesus stops, and he doesn't exactly answer their words there, but he says in verse, if you see in verse 24, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hmm. So he doesn't say, go send her away. But he does kind of say, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I wasn't sent to her. So... Maybe she'll quit bothering us. But she doesn't, does she? She persists. 
She persists and she runs after Jesus all the more. And she comes and it says that she knelt down before him. She bowed down to Jesus Christ and she said, Lord, help me. And and now he answers her directly this time. He says, it's not right to give the children's bread to the dogs. Wow. Wow. Do you hear what Jesus just said? First of all, we know that Jesus teaches he is the bread of life. And so the bread is a metaphor for him and the word of God, the gospel. And it says that he says to her, and we know the children, the children is a metaphor for the Jewish people. They are the children of God. And he says to her, you know, it's just not right to give the bread of the children to the dogs. He's as much as calling her a dog. Boy, what do we do with this picture of Jesus? This troubles us. And Jesus, after saying this to her, looks at her, I'm sure, just looking at her to see what her response is. And she has the most amazing response. He knew what her response would be. We know the end of the story. We know that Jesus sees the human heart. Jesus had a reason to speak to her this way because Jesus was drawing from her her faith. He knew she believed. He was going to heal her all along. Heal her daughter, that is. He, he went, I believe he went to Tyre and Sidon because he wanted, he knew there was a faithful woman there and he knew this encounter would happen and the Lord and the Holy Spirit of the Lord sent him there for just this encounter so that his disciples and all those around could learn the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is that it's for everyone, even the Gentile dogs. That's you and I. We're Gentiles. And absent the grace of God, we're dogs. But with the grace of God, we're children of God. And so Jesus looks at her and he says, she says to back to him, she says, yes, Lord. The most amazing, yes, Lord. But even the dogs eat crumbs that fall from their master's table. She's willing to take just a little crumb. It would be almost like we had communion this morning and and there was somebody that didn't feel worthy and so you kind of hung back. You didn't come to the Lord's table because you didn't feel worthy. But But then there were maybe some crumbs that fell and you knew this was a place of healing and this is a place of power because God is here but you didn't feel worthy so you came and you just, you just got that little scrap, that little crumb. And that was enough. And what she's saying here is she's saying, just a crumb, Lord, anything, anything is enough because it's from you. I don't have to sit at the table. I don't have to have the glory of the children of Israel. I just want my daughter to be well. And you can heal her. And Jesus heals her. The word tells us instantly. This morning, We are looking into the face of Jesus, our instantaneous healer. Instantaneous. The first week we looked at the gospel and we saw the compassion of Jesus. The compassionate healer. The compassion on the crowds, the 5,000 and more. 
that he fed that all came and needed healing. The second week, last week, we looked at the transcendent healer. We saw God in Jesus Christ, the Lord of all creation, who could walk on water. Who could bid Peter walk on water? <laughs> and we don't forget, Peter actually did. He walked on water for a moment. <laughs> don't know how many steps he took until he saw those waves and that wind and felt and doubted. But the transcendent Christ saved him. The transcendent Christ reached out a hand and says, and he raised Peter up. He saved I told you in the beginning that I want to connect two dots this morning. Healing and salvation. I'm going to make a bold statement here this morning. You can write it down. You can quote me. God always heals. Period. God always heals. You say, well, how can that be, Brad? I, I, I've known people that weren't healed. We have to relearn what it means to be healed. For this woman, healing was instantly given to her daughter. Whatever her, in, in this text, it tells us she was oppressed by a demon. That's a pretty scary thing. We can imagine almost nothing scarier. But the Word of God released her from that oppression instantly. Peter was healed because without the hand of Christ, after stepping out in his faith on that water, without the hand of Christ, Peter would have drowned. Nobody's going to swim from the middle of the Sea of Galilee anywhere, especially in the storm. So, what do we do with this connecting of the dots between healing and salvation? We must come to understand a true understanding of the healing of God. God always heals. Sometimes he heals instantly. He does. I've seen it happen. We're celebrating one candle blown out this morning because one of us felt the healing of God this week. We're going to keep praying. I don't know how many of those candles God will choose to have us blow out. It's up to Him. Because His healing doesn't always come instantly. Sometimes His healing is delayed. Sometimes it's His plan for our life because He knows what's best. Our healing seems to take a long time. Sometimes His healing is meant to come through modern medicine. Each of us here, our lives have been touched by the miracle of modern medicine. We go to the doctor, we receive an antibiotic, we're, we're, we're trying so hard to find a cure for this virus. And when we do, because I believe we will, we must celebrate that it's God who gives the cure. It's God. All good things are from God, the scripture teaches us. God heals through modern medicine. He's appointed us to live in a time of modern medicine. What a glorious gift that is. And I think because it's such a glorious gift, we sometimes, we, we, we doubt the healing power of God. We doubt that instantaneous healing power of God. We doubt that he can really save us from our, our situation or our financial ruin or our relationship that seems to be crumbling before us. We doubt, we're full of doubt. 
When the truth is, we need to be like this Canaanite woman. A little less like Peter and a little more like this Canaanite woman. Because she had great faith. She knew Jesus could heal her daughter. Nothing was going to cause or keep her. Nothing was going to cause her to doubt and nothing was going to keep her from getting what she needed from Jesus. There are a couple of places in Scripture where Jesus says he's amazed. He doesn't use those words right here, but in Matthew chapter, what chapter is it? Matthew, I think, no, it's in Luke, Luke chapter 7. Luke tells the story of a Roman centurion who has a servant who he loves dearly and wants to be healed, and he finds Jesus, and Jesus says, okay, I will go. And he says, no, 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 master, you don't need to come. You just only say the word, and my servant will be healed. We, we use those words in our liturgy sometimes, right before communion. I'm not worthy for you to come into my house. The scripture literally says, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. We say, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you, but only say the word, and I shall be healed. Jesus, scripture, Luke tells us at that point, was amazed at that pagan. He was a pagan, a Roman soldier, pagan's faith. And whether he was a believer by that time, obviously he was, or he wouldn't have approached Jesus, but he comes from pagan background. Now, we must ask ourselves the question this morning. What do we believe about God's healing? What kind of doubts do we have about God's healing? What does it mean to us in our life when we ask for that healing, but yet we don't see it happen and it seems to be delayed and it seems to be delayed and then it seems to be delayed even longer? The truth is God may delay it until we get to heaven because the truth is getting to heaven is the ultimate healing. Getting to heaven is the ultimate healing then we are truly healed, never to be sick again, never to die again. So when we think about this, I I, I want to just kind of tell you a story in closing, just a a story about my own life. When I was a very young Christian, I came to faith in Jesus Christ, to a born-again faith in Jesus Christ at the age of 22 after spending much of my life of faith, I was a faith I did believe. I didn't have a personal relationship uh, with Jesus like I know that I needed, but I, uh, but I did have a belief. I went to church all of my life, and much of it was in the Catholic church as a youth. But in the process of coming to faith in Christ and being married, a young man married into my wife's family, there was a particular gentleman, her uncle, my wife's uncle, who was... To me, a saint. He, he was an amazing saint. And, and he was always praying for us. I never saw him. He was the image of Christ's likeness. Never lost his temper that I could see. Sure, he had his human moments. But he just... And just after he retired, just shortly after, I was about 23 years old, 24, something like that. I don't know what age I was, but... Just after he retired, he received 
noticed that he had pancreatic cancer. But you see, I was convinced that God was going to heal him. I was convinced. I, with this newfound, bold, brash faith, I knew all I had to do was pray hard and believe, and God would heal him. Died in three months. I mean, I was, I would stay up at night praying. I would go to a prayer chapel and I would get on my face on the floor. I did everything I knew to do to move the hand of God so that God would heal this righteous man. He died in three months. I don't mind telling you, as a young Christian, my faith was a little shaken. Didn't really understand what was happening. And then a wise man told me something. A wise man said this. He said, Brad, the hardest thing you will ever do is to live the victorious life in the face of unanswered questions. <laughs> Dwell on that. Just let that sit with you for a minute. The hardest thing you will ever do is live the victorious life in the face of unanswered questions. We cannot know what God knows. We cannot see what God sees. But mind this, God is always merciful and God always heals. One way or the other. Our job is to bring Him the request. Our job is to believe. And then our job is to get up and go on with life in faith, believing that God will bring his healing somehow, some way, even if it's crossing the finish line into heaven. We'll go and shout, Hallelujah, heal. But in the meantime, I believe God wants us to preach and teach the ministry of healing. That's why we have some anointing oil here. Scriptures teach us to call the elders together and to lay hands upon and anoint. That's why we are taking the Lord's Supper each week as a regular part of worship. Because Scripture teaches us that by His stripes we are healed. That coming to the Lord's table and receiving Him in this spiritual communion is drawing us into the healing flow of God's love. I love that old hymn. It says, a love that will not let me go. <laughs> I didn't choose that one for this morning. Maybe I should have. We can just break out and sing it, but I don't know it well enough. Oh, love that will not let me go. So this morning, as we prepare our hearts, we're going to transition to a service of healing. I pray that your hearts are open to what the Lord wants to do for you. You've already brought your request. Maybe you have another one. There's a little gold card in your worship folder. You're welcome to write something on that card. Whatever it is, it just needs to make sense to you. It doesn't have to make sense to me. As a way of giving it to the Lord, you can lay that card in this basket. Or there's a few more. If one fell out and you don't have it in your bulletin, you can, or World's Worship folder, you can lay it right there and write it out. You can come to the cup of the Lord, receive the body and blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can be anointed for healing. You can stop and pray. You can go back to your seat. Whatever works for you. But in these next few minutes together, let us open our hearts and minds to what the Lord wants to do in our midst.
And let us begin with the confession of our sin.